Welcome to the Founders with Purpose podcast, where I interview early stage founders about their mission, why they chose startup life, and how they will get where they're going. I'm your host, Darian Parrish, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, Ryan, thank you for joining uh, the podcast. This is, uh, we have Ryan from uh, co-founder of Flows here. And uh, Ryan, why don't you tell us more about what your mission is with Flows and, and why you're passionate about that mission? Yeah, no, I'd love to. Uh, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, yeah, Flows is basically the easiest way to connect your apps and automate your tasks. So the goal is for true non-technical people to be able to automate their tasks without uh, the jargon and the uh, maybe complicated visuals that other platforms give you. And so for people like us, it's not necessarily hard. Like I'm a non-technical person. I'm not sure about you. Um, but whenever I go into Zapier, it's not that bad. Like I can definitely like build zaps and stuff. But whenever I first started, it was really intimidating. I think I turned off once or twice. And uh, that's the reality for a lot of people that are in administration and, and do these jobs that aren't in our like little 1% tech bubble. And so I want to create an experience uh, with flows that allows them to automate things without having that churn from, you know, the jargon and the complicated things. But we want to take it a step further and actually, you know, monitor what they're doing with session history length and, you know, the sequence in which they're going on these different applications and then be able to prescribe the automations to them and then be able to implement them very easily uh, with no code. Yeah, I think that's that's great. And the no code space has been something that I've, I've found very impressive. And I know a lot of technical folks are skeptical because, it, you know, a lot of these solutions, it seems like there's no uh, good way to make a clean UI that non-technical people can understand. Um, but mm -hmm. I think I think in general, it's a poor excuse for not trying. Right. So I, I really uh, am, am positive and, and optimistic about uh, all the folks in no code that are um, you know, really working really hard to help sh help uh, create value for the non-technical folks and allow them to be creators and build stuff. So I, I think it's a great space and I'm, I'm glad you're working on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's hard too because you have a lot of these tech, like no-code companies being built and led by technical people. So sometimes what starts out as like a really awesome product for true non-technical people ends up being turned into a product that ends up like is ended up being more technical uh, and so there's like, uh, it, it becomes mismatched as like the journey goes on. So it, it's from day one, it's always been a goal of mine to keep it uh, super non-technical. And I mean, obviously we want to have complexities and let people be able to do like more complex things, but those options should only show up if you like specify that you're a developer or you're a, someone that is technical. Yeah, I think that's great. And, and one of the things you mentioned uh, thread that I want to pull on is, you talked about how sometimes the mission or the goal initially uh, on a founder's journey uh, isn't where they end up. And, you know, maybe they thought they were going to make a UI that was easy and intuitive for non-technical folks and they end up making it too techy. How do you mm -hmm. how do you make sure that you stay on the right path and accomplish Flow, Flow's true mission of, of reaching those non-technical folks? Are there any tips or tools uh, that you use that, that might help other founders? Um, I think just the tip that I would say is like just saying no a lot of the time, right? Uh, it, whenever you have emails constantly from technical people that are using your product, not because that they can't do it themselves, 
like from a technical standpoint, but because they just want to use your tool to make their life easier. And then you kind of give in to these ideas. It then becomes harder for your actual, like who you're aiming for to use. So that's why I, I don't want to always say no. And that's why whenever, you know, you specify that you're a technical person or a developer, you know, more options show up for you, but keeping like that base layer completely free of the jargon and like the strings and things that other automation platforms display. Yeah, I think that's great. And taking a step back from flows, you've, I know you've done some other uh, startups and, and projects and you got a lot going on. What, what, you know, what maybe uh, helped you decide on what, why startup life was right for you uh, versus a more conventional career path? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good question. I would say it's just like, I, I would say it's just like in my DNA. Uh, and that sounds like so cheesy, but I've constantly been starting things and, and doing things ever since I can remember. Like whenever I was younger, I would have my mom buy packs of cards and then I would sell them to kids in my grade. Uh, like I would find out when their parents' birthdays were and say their parent was like a, a Dallas Cowboy fan. I'd say, here, I'll sell you these, like these Dallas Cowboy cards. Your mom will love it for her birthday. Um, and then like whenever... I was in high school, I would like cut lawns for money. And then um, I, I like whenever Facebook Marketplace came out, I was like selling other people's things on Facebook Marketplace because people really didn't know what it was. Um, and then it just kind of like progressed into uh, working for startups like in my senior year of high school. And then just continuing that throughout uh, the early years of college before I dropped out. Yeah, and I think that that that's great. Like in, in it almost... I would say that some other founders and myself included identify with that, you know, starting early, just having the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, and, you know, in some cases like mowing lawns, you know, to make money and I've, you know, done that. And then, you know, as, as progressing turns more into mission driven, you know, what can I accomplish that's really important and big um, and help, mm -hmm. helps other folks. I think, you know, with, with that said, in thinking about flows, how, how do you make sure that you don't, you know, get, get bored with flows or get distracted by another side project and to make sure that you really do, uh, stay on the path, uh, given that you've, uh, you know, get excited about so many different things. Yeah. I think it's really about finding something you care about because for me, it was, I, I was constantly, even while working on other things, like I was constantly starting new things, but then whenever I started working on flows, I hadn't started anything new in months. Uh, I, I more recently launched uh, a small project, but it was pretty much fully automated. Um, and it was just based on a problem that I had uh, with flows, actually. And it was along the lines of, you know, you have these co-founder boards and they everyone, all the non-technical people that want to start a software company or, or an app are on there. And they're trying to like pitch their like half-baked ideas. Nobody actually gives a shit. And so it's just a lot of noise. And so uh, we started... Um, we don't code.com as a way for people to validate their ideas and then attract non-technical people to work on them uh, because there's actually like some substance behind it. Um, and I experienced that with flows and I, I knew I could throw it together and it could be fully automated. Um, but in terms other than that, like I haven't been, I haven't started any other projects. So I would say like, like if you have shiny object syndrome, it, which, you know, is very common and like, don't beat yourself up over it. But whenever you find something that like you really are excited about, you'll, you'll see that kind of like go away for a while uh, whenever you're just focused on, on building that one thing. Great. And I, I think, uh, you know, to your point about finding team members and 
you know, even just building the team more broadly and hiring, is that something, you know, that that's uh, on deck right now for flows? Are you building the team? Uh, what's the main uh, hurdle to getting to that next level um, with flows? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am in the process of building the team right now where uh, we started raising and, uh, and so we're like in the early process of that taking like pretty much angel checks right now. And then we'll probably accept some venture capital funding for our pre-seed round here um, in the next like month or two. But uh, pretty much we're going to be using that money to build the team, right? Uh, bring on more engineers and, and grow a lot faster than we're currently doing. So yeah, I mean, it's that, I mean, that's all you can do it unless you like have an idea that's like, super explosive and people are ready to pay like a significant amount of money uh, right off the bat where you, you can like bootstrap that it's, it's just like, uh, whenever you're in a hot space like no code, you, you need to move fast to like keep up with competitors, especially like with automations, things that are important, especially with uh, with what I'm doing is having the native integrations for true non-tech, like because true non-technical people don't know how to set up a webhook or anything like that. So um, having those native integrations is, is super important, but it's just a such a tedious task. So like being able to have extra help to do things like that is, is super important. Yeah, and um, you mentioned Zapier earlier on in the conversation. I, I would imagine they're maybe your closest competitor, but also maybe I might ask if you have been following their funding pattern and uh, you know raised a bit early on and then went you know a long ways sort of funding from revenue. Is that a path that you you see maybe will be similar for flows? I think it has the potential. Um, it's really going to be about I think how small businesses and medium-sized businesses interact and, and use our product. Um, right now, I would say uh, we're probably not going to have the ability to go the exact route they went. They were pretty much the first in the space, leaders in the space. And, and you can see that, right? There's still very, to some sense, little competition just given how fat their margins are in terms of like what they charge people for zaps. Um, and so like, they've had the ability to go about this in a way a lot of other people don't. So yeah, I would say it's it's gonna be somewhat similar, but it's also gonna be very different. We're definitely gonna raise uh, more money than them probably. I don't think they've raised in a while, have they? I know they raised like a while back. No, they've they've only sold uh, secondary shares to get some some new VCs in. Um, I think total they've only raised the one or two million that they did at, at Seed and um, you know only, only got new investor, VC investors recently at their uh, 5 billion plus valuation um, from, from secondary uh, share exchange. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably definitely raise more than one to two mil within like the first, like from a seed to a series a uh, just because it's right at this point, we're playing catch up. Um, and so obviously you need resources and capital to do that. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I, I'm a big fan of Zapier and, and what they've been able to do um, thus far. And I think uh, any space where there, there's a big need for something like this, it's good to have competition because generally it benefits the end users uh, through a better experience. As you mentioned, even uh, being able to solve some of the issues with Zapier, like uh, that a non-technical person wouldn't really know what the uh, the error report is saying and why you know why a specific Zap is not working. And so I, I'm very excited for, for flows. And I think, is there a way for folks to get early access or when do you, what's, what's the timeline for, for flows um, to be in the uh, user's hands? Yeah, right now, early access uh, only comes about really through conversation. So if 
you know, you sign up and you reach out to me and you're like, hey, this is my need and we can fill that need, then I'm, I'm more than happy to like let people on that way. Um, but other than that, it's just like pretty much grinding right now, uh, native integrations, getting things to like a standard where I think we can let people in, uh, like just like let people in. Cause I don't want to keep like weaning off. I want to get to a point where we can just like open the floodgates and see if it breaks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I would say probably within two months where we'll be at a point where we can open up the gates and just let people in. That sounds great. And where can people learn more about flows and, and follow you? Yeah. So, uh, makeflows.com, M-A-K-E-F-L-O-W-Z.com, um, or on Twitter at makeflows, same thing, or my personal is at Ryan Meyer, R-Y-A-N-M-Y-H-E-R. Um, I'm really active on there. So if anybody wants to reach out, you know, just slide my DMs and I'll answer. That's great. Thanks. And I think, uh, the final question here, uh, reoccurring question for all guests is do you have any bold predictions about the next year or any major trend changes um, that you're expecting or excited for? In, in terms of no code? It uh, could be no code or other. Um, and any answer goes. Yeah. Okay. I think we're going to see like right now we're in this. Okay. This is, this is fun because this is not no code. I, I suspect that we're going to see a lot more people adopt VR via the Oculus. Um, they're like they they were kind of like hot for a second but not really due to like the limited supply but more and more people are grabbing them and i i predict it similar to like the airpods right people don't really realize what it is or they think it's like out of reach from a financial perspective but then people realize airpods were only 200 bucks and then before you knew it every single person had one um and now i i feel like the same thing's happening with the oculus like i think you can get the 64 gig for like 300 bucks which it, it's super affordable for a lot of families so i i expect suspect like there'd be a lot more like immersive tech and uh and a lot more experiences that people are having uh, online and, and that goes for like uh, entertainment but also work you know being able to have four screens and like work in vr um is, is pretty awesome so yeah that's that's my prediction i think that's that's a great one uh, i was totally wrong about how big airpods could be uh, you know, if, if you took their revenue and, and equated that to a size of a company, you know, they'd be in the top, uh, you know, 100 companies by size, yep. uh, maybe even, you know, the top 20 by, by or the top 100 by revenue. And I think that's just, you know, something that I don't, I don't think many people saw. And, and I think you're right. It's it's maybe the same case um, in, in the, the AR, VR space and uh you know gonna prove a, a bunch of people wrong and i think those are the kind of bold predictions we like to hear here so um that's all today ryan i, I really appreciate you taking the time i think the the listeners will enjoy learning more about flows i'm happy to stay uh connected and, and become a flows user soon because I, I just think this is gonna be a phenomenal product thank you so much yeah i'm really excited to get people like yourself and and everybody on and you know hear the raw feedback <laughs> Well, sounds good. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Darian.